Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Minnesota Twins 3, the Cleveland Indians nothing. I'm Davey Ferris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And what do you think, huh? Sound much better now that we're back in our home studio? I think so. I'm glad to be back. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, please help it grow by leaving a rating review on whatever app you are listening on, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. Help the show grow by letting people know what it's all about and how much we love baseball here on Cleveland Baseball Mornings. And I know we're getting into the grind of the end of the season. I know with this loss, the Indians fall back to 500 at 68 and 68. I know we're 11 games back in the division and we're eight and a half games back of that second wild card spot, but with a minus 10 run differential. But there are still some things from this game worth discussing, and one of them is the return. The big storyline is the return of Aaron Savali. Savali's back from that finger injury. Uh, the last time Aaron pitched was on June 21st. Um, June 21st against the Cubs. He goes four and two-thirds in that one before getting yanked. He goes four and two-thirds in this one. So there's a little poetry for you. Um, yeah, he had a really pretty good, fantastic, uh, pretty fantastic start. Pretty, pretty good start in this one for his return. Uh, unfortunately, the Indians offense couldn't muster anything to give him some run support. But Savali does go four and two-third on a pitch count. Does give up three hits, uh, does give up one earned run, one walk, and six strikeouts. Was only hard hit four times on 78 pitches. So I'd say he's back. He even said after the game he's obviously looking to go a little bit deeper into the game. That walk would come back to cost him because Kepler, who walked to lead off the fifth, would be the run that comes in to score. So obviously learns, you know, how many of our pitchers learn their lesson when it comes to these walks, right? I think the other day someone had like one walk and that walk was the run that came in to score. I think that was McKenzie. So yeah, uh, Savali pitching pretty darn good there. And I love seeing those strikeouts. I mean, he's not a huge strikeout guy. In fact, it's pretty crazy when you look at Aaron Savali's um, percentile rankings on the season. Because you would expect a guy that now he's 10-3, and three, he does take the loss in this one, um, but you would expect a guy with that good of a win percentage, especially he was 10-2 and two for the first, what, two and a half months of the season, to be all in the red when it comes to percentile rankings. Remember, they, they kind of color grade these. So if you're up in the red, you're up in, uh, in the great territory. And if you're in the blue, and the deeper the blue, the poorer you are in that percentile ranking. Obviously, they give a number grade too. But for example, his expected batting average is blue. It's in the 26th percentile. His K percentage is in the 28th percentile, also blue. Whiff percentage, 18th percentile, very blue. Fastball velocity, 13th percentile. That is uh, the lowest he is in any of these categories. However, his fastball spin is in the 81st percentile. Curve spin is up at eighty-eight percent. That's one of his. That's his highest. Uh, I guess this is this is a great one here. His walk rate, eighty-two percent walk rate. That's really good, really good in the red. Average exit velocity, sixty-eight in the red, above the average. 
But yeah, some of these other things, expected weighted on base percentage, 43rd. Expected ERA, 43rd percentile ranking. So not all of these things are in the red like you would expect from a guy who, uh, frankly, was on an all-star pace this year. I know he doesn't get the all-star nod, but I felt like he probably deserved it this year. He was pitching really well to start the season. The percentile rankings just don't reflect that. Uh, Some of these expected things, expected batting average, expected slugging, expected ERA, you know, all under 50%, all in the poor side of things. So it's a little bit interesting when you look at Savali's numbers. Um, Yeah, he does a really good job getting some strikeouts early in this game. If we go over to the illustrator here and we take a look at just the strikeouts, it was coming on a lot of different pitches. Uh, it was coming on two curveballs. Uh, he got Jorge Polanco with a high curveball for a called strike in the first inning. And then uh, he drops a curveball on Byron Buxton in the third. By the way, the storyline from yesterday, which was Polanco and Buxton destroying the Indians, they both go over on the day. So it's that's baseball. I told you these storylines are interesting, right? One day they're killing us. The next day they come back down to earth. He got um, got a couple of strikeouts on a splitter. Uh, he got Ben Rodvet. I, I, I don't know how to say that name. Uh, Rodvet. He got him swinging on a splitter on an 0-2 count. Blew him away, really, in this at-bat. 0-2 count to end the second. And got Miguel Sano on a splitter. He foul-tipped it into the glove uh, to end the fourth inning. Then, now that they're afraid of that splitter, afraid of the off-speed stuff, afraid of the breaking stuff, he then can come in and blow away a couple of guys. He got Rortvet uh, to end the fifth. Oh, I'm sorry. He got Rortvet with for the second out of that fifth inning on a 3-2 count. Gets him uh, a called strike on the inside edge. Gets the call against the lefty hitter. That's right. Absolutely frozen with that one. They call it a sinker, but it's a two-seam fastball. I really wish baseball savant would stop doing this. This is a two-seam fastball right here. And before that, the batter before that, Brent Rooker, he got on a 3-2 count to look at a two-seam fastball right there. So that's surprising that Rodven, he just saw Rooker go down to this two-seam fastball. Then he comes up, works a full 3-2 count, and he gets called strike three on this uh, inside two-seamer. So, great job by Savali of using all those pitches to get those strikeouts. However, that would be in the fifth inning, and that would be the one run he would give up. And frankly, he put in the work. He walks Kepler. Kepler does steal second while Rooker is batting. He strikes out Rooker. He strikes out Rodvent. And then Anderton Simmons comes up, like the one of the worst hitters on their team. Simmons, their number nine hitter, hitting 221, 561 OPS. And of course, he goes two for three on the night with an RBI, a run, and a walk in this game. So that's just how baseball goes sometimes. And uh, he singles up the middle, 101.1 mile per hour exit velocity. I wonder what pitch he got. Let's go to this matchup and see exactly how it would be the last batter that Savali would get to face. Well, it's just a case of he missed with ball one, uh, missed with a splitter that he lost up and away, or up and in, I should say, actually, up and in to Anderson Simmons, the right-handed batter. 
And then it's just, honestly, it's Simmons putting a good swing on a slider, a slider that was barreling down to the outside edge of the plate. Probably was a pretty good pitch in a pretty good location. And he just shoots it back up the middle at 101 101 miles per hour. So, honestly, got to give credit to the hitter on that one. It's not in a bad location. It didn't hang a slider or anything like that. It's a good slider to the outside edge. And uh, Simmons just got it. Uh, He used that slider uh, effectively for a strike a couple of times in this game. Uh, Really threw to all four quadrants. Was pounding away with the cutter. Um, on the outside edge, the slider away, throwing that two-seamer to both sides of the plate, throwing that splitter all over the place, using uh, inside and outside with that splitter with a curve, uh, and four-seam fastballs were up. He was using the four-seamer when he wanted to go up. Uh, His total CSW numbers on the day, and we're just going to harp on uh, Aaron Savali for this one because, frankly, this offense is not worth talking about on the day. A pretty lousy uh, outing for the Indians offensively. The CSW's numbers aren't huge on any pitch except for the curveball. Uh, 11 times, six swings, three whiffs, two called strikes on it. It's good for a 45% CSW on the curveball. So that one was definitely working. Uh, the four seam fastball was down at eight in eight CSW. He threw it 13 times. However, they only put one four seam fastball in play. So uh, that's good. The in-play numbers, actually, the balls in play numbers are way down at 78 pitches. They only put 11 balls in play. So really, really good job there. 22 foul balls definitely helped Aaron Savali on the day. Um, The sinker also had a 50% CSW, but he only threw it eight times. So, you know, a little bit of an outlier there. That's the two-seam fastball. Uh, But that is the one that got him two strikeouts there in that fifth inning, but he only threw it eight times on the day, so really saving that one for later in the game. The splitter is actually the pitch he threw the most, 21 times. Really like that splitter. Um, In fact, if we go over to fan graphs, we can see the pitch percentages for the game logs on the season, and I can tell you his velocity was a little down on most of his pitches, just a mile per hour or so, and that could just be some rust coming back from injury. Um, the arm not being fully stretched out yet. Uh, but the fastball percentage was way down. He's usually at 34.6% on the season. Yesterday was only at 26.9. That includes the four-seamer and the uh, what they call the sinker, but we all know is the two-seam fastball. So that includes both of them. They lump fastballs together over on fan graphs. The sliders were about year average at 11.5%. He averages 123 the cutter, same thing. Uh, he averages 24.5% cutters on the season. Yesterday, he threw 20.5% of his pitches were cutters. Same thing with the curveball, both at 14% on the season and yesterday. And it was the split finger. The split finger was way up from his yearly average. 14% was his yearly average. He was up at 26.9% split fingers yesterday. So really cranking up that pitch. Some other things that were different from yesterday that fan graphs can tell us. Uh, ground ball rate was really high yesterday. 63.6% ground ball rate, his second highest on the season. Another start against Minnesota. He was at 69.2% earlier back in April. as the last start of April. So yeah, so he gets the Twins to hit ground balls. I guess that's the storyline there. Uh, but the line drive rate and the fly ball rate were both down. Did not give up one opposite field hit. Everything was to center or pulled 
yesterday when he averages on the season 20.5% opposite field. Got a lot more, averages the same around a hard contact, uh, 36% as he does on the season, but a lot more medium contact. Didn't get as much soft contact on the day. 54.5% medium contact, up from 47.4% his season average. And then finally, the plate discipline numbers, some things that are interesting to me here on this one. He was in the strike zone a lot more than he usually is on the season. In fact, he had never, never reached 50%. He was exactly 50% in the strike zone yesterday. His yearly average is 39.7, so he gets a lot of chase. Um, However, his contact rate was also up a little bit because of that, 85.4% up from 80% his season average, 80.1. His first pitch strike was down for a guy that was in the strike zone so much. His first pitch strike was only 50%. His yearly average was 65.2%. And his swinging strike was down a little bit, 7.7%, down from his yearly average of 9.5. So those are some of the plate discipline numbers over on Fangraphs. Uh, And it kind of paints a picture of the pitcher who came back from injury, right? Who did we get back? Well, we got a guy that got a ton of ground balls. We got a guy who's using his split finger more. And we got a guy who is aggressive in the strike zone. Uh, So, yeah, so there you go. That's what was up with Aaron Savali yesterday. Now, uh, the Indians offense and John Gant was facing them. And to coin my brother, yesterday he texted me uh, because I was flying back from Denver during most of this. And uh, he texts me, uh, he's like, hey, man, this thing is a snooze fest. And it absolutely was. Even watching the highlights this morning was boring. The Indians had some chances off of Gant, but Gant was also racking up some key strikeouts, seven strikeouts in only five innings pitched. Uh, Only gave up three hits, no earned runs, four walks to get him into a little bit of trouble, but seven strikeouts saved him. John Gant only gave up one Hard hit ball on 96 pitches. That is not the Cleveland Indians. Come on. That is not how we do things. Uh, There were a few situations where he did get into a little bit of trouble. Uh, In the first inning, Jose Ramirez would walk and steal to try to get something going, but Fermil Reyes would strike out. Uh, Second inning was clean. The third inning was really where he got into the trouble. Um, he gives up a weak single to Owen Miller, only 68.2. I believe this is the one that sent uh, Josh Donaldson deep into the hole, and uh, Donaldson just couldn't. He beat the throw, just beat it out. Uh, Austin Hedges immediately grounds into a double play. Straw follows that up with a single, shoots one to the right, opposite field. Andres Jimenez actually batting second because uh, Ahmed Rosario got the day off. I told you, DeMarlo Hale is just kind of rotating the starters through days off. You're just going to see that throughout September. Um, Andres Jimenez single. So now we got a good situation going here. Jose Ramirez, he draws a walk. Now we got something really big going here. Uh, for Mio Reyes up with the bases loaded, two outs, and he gets a hold of one. He drives it deep to left field. But it only goes 378 feet, which in Cleveland is not enough. And Buxton makes the catch right up against the wall. It only had a 94.8 mile per hour exit velocity. It was a 36 degree launch angle, which is not sky high. Right? We've seen him hit home runs with a launch angle like that. 
Maybe he thought he was still in Boston because this would probably be off the monster if it were in Boston. But in Cleveland, it's just a fly out to the wall. And uh, that was it. That was the moment. I mean, if Fermil Reyes gets a hold of this one, maybe if the launch angle is down a little bit, the exit velocity is up just a little bit, this this could be a grand slam or at least a double off the wall that would score a ton of runs. Uh, you know Jose Ramirez would have been on his horse from first. It could have been a bases-clearing double, to be honest. And he just, just needs a few more feet on that fly ball to get it done, and he just can't get it. So, hey, give Reyes credit for a good swing. Just could not get it today. Um, yeah, so we would get another runner on. Yu Chang would draw a walk in the fourth, but Owen Miller would ground out to end that one. Uh, and then in the fifth inning, after giving up a leadoff walk to Austin Hedges, strikes out Miles Straw, strikes out Andres Jimenez, and strikes out Jose Ramirez to end his five innings. So, wow, really turned it on to end those five innings. And uh, how is he doing it on the strikeouts? Well, take a guess. Our old friend, the changeup, is back. And uh, Cleveland absolutely sucks against the changeup. There's no doubt about it. Of his seven strikeouts, five of them came on changeups. And frankly, four of the five are in the strike zone. Very hittable pitches. Jose Ramirez swung through one that he couldn't believe to end the fifth inning. I mean, he was just frozen at the plate going, what did I just do? This is a pitch that is at the belt, middle of the plate, a little bit in. This is his nitro zone. Jose Ramirez loves changeups here. And he just swings through it. Uh, the other one, Yu Cheng swung through one in the zone. Fermil Reyes got one at inside corner down, uh, but still in the strike zone um, that he swings through. These are all swinging strikes here. Um, he got Miles Straw swinging through one, a changeup kind of uh, down and away, but still in the strike zone. Uh, and then he got Bradley Zimmer to chase one in the dirt in the fourth inning, basically. And uh, so, yeah, he also got a strikeout on a high fastball to Andres Jimenez and a cutter away to Miles Straw in the first inning. That was a called strike. It would be his only called strikeout on the day. Everything else was swinging. Uh, so with that, what were his CSW numbers? John Gant against this offense. 37% CSW on that changeup. 18 whiffs on 17 swings. Threw it 30 times the most of any pitch. 33% CSW on his sinker. Got a lot of called strikes on that one. And then the cutter and the four-seam fastball uh, were in the 20s. He only threw a slider three times. So it's only a 29% CSW on the day. But man, he got the strikeouts when he needed it. Uh, so yeah, so the Indians offense absolutely had their chances. And they just couldn't deliver. They just could not deliver. I mean, a lot of leadoff hitters too. Getting on base. Uh, let's see here. A leadoff hitter in the third inning. Owen Miller with that single. Uh, leadoff uh, hitter in the fifth inning. Austin Hedges with that walk. How about in the eighth inning? Jose Ramirez with a single to start things off. That's a little infield chop that he beats out. Doesn't turn into anything. Oscar Mercado. This was another great chance. I knew there was one more great chance. Oscar Mercado hits a double off the wall at 105.3 miles per hour. Only a 19-degree launch angle, so really a line shot off the wall. If he gets the launch angle on this a little bit more, it's a two-run home run. Uh, and in fact, would have tied the game at 2-2. Two -two. 
but it's just double off the wall, and then Yu Cheng would strike out on a big looping curve uh, for the final out of that inning. Uh, and then Ahmad, Ahmed Rosario, pinch hitting, would get on with a single uh, in the ninth, but Bobby Bradley, Miles Straw would fly out, and Bobby Bradley would strike out uh, to end the game. So, uh, speaking of ending the game, the save goes to Kalame, Alex Kalame for the Twins, and this is a guy who seems to have turned his season around a little bit. It's the last player I kind of want to dig into because the Indians were really beating up Kalame early in the season. They faced him twice at the end of April. He gave up two runs in both of those appearances, didn't even make an out in the first appearance against the Indians, took the loss in that one. Uh, his April ERA was at 831 with only two saves. Not a good month for Kalame. Uh, the next time we would face him, he would give up two runs again in May. Uh, so he was really struggling against the Cleveland Indians early in this season. Uh, would have a decent outing against us on uh, June 25th. Pitch an inning there. His June ERA was not good either. His June ERA was at 559 in 11 uh, games. 9.2 innings pitch, 9 and 2 thirds. Then he would start to turn things around. His July ERA was down to 372. He, faced the, he did not face the Indians at all in July. He faced us twice in August, on August 16th and then the 18th. Um, no runs given up on the 16th. Two runs given up on the 18th, though. So a bad outing for him there. Uh, he would actually go on to give two runs up against the Red Sox in his next outing on the 25th, but has not given up a run since those two outings. So since August 25th, he has not given up a run in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven innings pitched. And for the month of September, he's got a zero ERA in four outings, four innings pitched, three saves. He's converted his last three save opportunities after converting eight save opportunities in August. So yeah, it's uh it's pretty good for uh Colome lately. He's finally seemed to have found some things. His August ERA, he was two and zero with eight saves and a two nine two ERA. So really starting to put things together. Uh before those two outings in August, where he gives up back to back uh two run outings to Cleveland and Boston, he hadn't given up a run since July twenty-sixth. So he really has been on quite the streak since the end of July, um, pitching very well, racking up saves. So, Kalame, uh, someone we definitely uh, gave some fits to early in the season, seems to have figured things out. And now, the Twins uh, have got us back to 500, and they've got two more games against us. So, it's a pretty rough one for the Indians on this one. Like my brother said, an absolute snooze fest. And it's disappointing. It's just disappointing. The Twins are a team we should be beating up. We should be scoring a ton of runs off these guys. And we're just not doing it. All right. We still got two more against them. And we got Tristan McKenzie going tonight. Another 6-10 start. And then Quantrill going to end it on Thursday. Now, we're going up against Ryan, who's 0-1 with a 5-4 ERA tonight. And then we got Dobnek on Thursday, who's frankly 1-7 on the season with a 7-6-4 ERA. So there's absolutely no reason the Indians should not win both of these games and get some games back in the win column, get us back over 500. Minnesota is there for us to rack up wins against this season. You've got to take advantage of the worst teams in your division. 
you can't. I mean, we're going to have a losing record against Minnesota when this thing comes to an end, and that's just disappointing. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. A deep dive into the stats again, into Aaron Savali being back. I hope you enjoyed Savali being back because he is definitely, I mean, as long as Shane Bieber's here, he's never going to get to be the ace, the number one guy. But he's pitching pretty darn good. And I think in the end, we're all going to be, I mean, Savali has a chance to be a Charlie Nagy type. And I say that with the utmost respect for Nagy. Of all the pitchers from our childhood, those of you who are also my age, um, you know, Nagy was the one that was just always there. He was always there, always reliable. You, know, you could always count on him for like 15 wins a season. Um, and as much as other guys blew through town, right? Hershiser and um, El Presidente, uh, Dennis Martinez, uh, Nagy was the constant in all those rotations. So, uh, yeah, so Savali has a chance to be that kind of guy that's just super, super reliable starting pitcher. Uh, doesn't blow people away, probably doesn't rack up the strikeouts, but knows how to get a win. Unfortunately, he takes the loss in this one. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. For show merch, remember to visit clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com for premium t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more for men, women, and kids. Show off your pride for Cleveland Baseball and help spread the show's name with some high-quality shirts and gear. Link is in the show notes, and it's my pinned tweet on Twitter, at Davey Barris. Again, the final from Cleveland. It was the Twins 3, the Indians nothing. We'll be back tomorrow to talk Tristan McKenzie. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.